Thank you for tuning in to the Preferable Podcast. This is your host, Jaden Watkins. This is Season 2, Episode 15, Breast Cancer Awareness Event. Thank you to everyone for continuing to tune in every two weeks to this podcast. Please continue to share this podcast with all your friends and family. Please continue to post about it. And thank you to everyone who has already done that and continue to support me. This is Season 2, Episode 15, Breast Cancer Awareness, with special guests include Freddie Harris and Katie Suwan. Enjoy. Now we will have attestant Katie Suwan. Uh, let me see. Katie is 36 years old. She lives in Wisconsin. She was married to her high school sweetheart for nine years, and they have a six-year-old son named Witten. I hope I'm saying his name right. She has owned her own business, which is a salon, for 17 years. She was diagnosed with breast cancer on February 24th. Now, without further ado, I present to some and introduce to others, Miss Katie Swan. Hello, Katie. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. Thank you for having me. No problem. Thank you for um, accepting the invitation. Um, right. now, I know I've read a little bit in your bio. Can you tell us a little more about you? Yes. Um, I am from Muskego, Wisconsin. I am married to actually my middle school sweetheart um, for nine years now. Um, I have a beautiful beautiful son named Witten that is six years old and I have I do have my own business I am a salon owner and it is just me in the salon and I've been doing it for 17 years now thank you thank you for telling us a little more about you now um tell your story just tell us from beginning middle to end tell us your story you have to right. Uh, my story started back in December. Um, it was just a regular day and I had just gotten out of the shower and I felt a lump. And I was a little scared right away. And I asked my husband, you know, what should I do? And he suggested I call the doctor. So I did. And when they got back to me, they said, well, you have no family history. You're only 35 years old. Um, it's probably just a cyst. So there was no rush to really get me in. So I did not see my doctor for a good six weeks um, because she was so booked up. And when I finally did see her, she actually found another lump in my breast and again told me, you have zero family history. This is the age where cysts could start. Um, so she ordered a mammogram, but didn't really rush it because it, she didn't feel that there was a need to. So the whole process took about nine and a half weeks. And I felt reassured, but there was something telling me that it wasn't just what it was. And it took until February of 2021, where I got the phone call and 
a really nice man told me, you have cancer. They are both, both tumors are cancerous. And from then on, it went, moved really fast at that point. So my life in just a few days got completely turned upside down. Um, I went from feeling healthy and fine to finding out that not only did I have breast cancer, but I had one of the more rare versions, which is called triple negative. It is just where it is not hormone driven. It is a different kind of beast that can also go to other parts of your body besides the breast area. I met with an oncologist, a radiologist, and a breast surgeon all in one day. It was about an hour-long appointment, and thankfully, my husband was able to come with me, and I was told that I was stage 3C, which is one step away from being stage 4, and we all know that stage 4 breast cancer at this point, there's no cure for it. And he told me that I would be on a very rigorous chemotherapy plan, surgery, um, and radiation. And I asked, well, how do we find out? And there was a one test called a PET scan that was going to scan my whole body. And he said, if we need to find out if there's cancer anywhere else. And I asked, what if there were, what if there was, and you hear, you heard the words that you never want to hear from a doctor. And it was, we're going to make you as comfortable as possible for as long as I can. So I left the hospital that day, not really knowing what my life was going to be. I, I didn't know if I had years left. I didn't know what it was just, it was such a shock and it took me a really long time to absorb it. Thankfully, the PET scan was done and it did not spread yet. So I got to stay at stage 3C, which wasn't the best news, but it was much better than, unfortunately, there's some women that are not as lucky and are stage 4. And I found out with triple negative, there are not many different types of treatments that can be done. So right away, I started my six months of chemotherapy. I started with something called the Red Devil, and it completely lived up to its name. Um, you lose your hair, everything. Um, I will say that chemotherapy was one of the hardest things if not the hardest thing I've ever had to try to get through in my entire life. And it wasn't even so much the physical, it really was because it really takes a toll on you, but the physical, I mean, as human beings, as women, not even to be vain, but losing not only your hair, your eyebrows, your eyelashes, I mean, everything, gaining weight from steroids and being so sick and, you know, it's hard enough as it is. And then I have this beautiful son that, you know, relies on me and my business. If I'm not there, there's 
nobody there. <laughs> so I had to pull all my strength that I could and I made it through. And there was this one man named Ken. He's never met me before in my life. And he reached out to me and he beat cancer actually a couple times. And he told me that the power of positivity when you're going through something like this is the most important thing, which I thought was a little strange, you know, at first. So I decided to be as positive as I could. And I will say that did help a lot with my treatment. Um, I don't even really know why, but I had my dark moments. I had my moments where I would sit and scream and cry in my car um, because I was so sick or I felt like I was letting my family down, my son down for not being the mom that I normally am. Um, I had to call on a few clients, you know, at time to, from time to time because I would get sick. And, um, but I met so many beautiful, wonderful people along the way, um, either women in support groups or nurses in the chemotherapy area. I mean, they were just angels on earth. They were just wonderful. And they got me through the six months and um, I moved on and I had to have my very first surgery ever in my entire life, um, which was a double mastectomy. And I just made it through that. I'm four weeks out from that and I'm healing and I had the, the most wonderful surgeon. She's so kind and she really just walked me through everything. And thankfully I only had a little bit of cancer left, um, after the surgery. So now I move on to radiation. I'll be doing that for 28 days straight. And after that, I will get another month of chemo because I had some cancer in my son at that point. Um, but my biggest thing I want to say is women out there, I don't care what age you are, you have to do self-exams. You have to be your own advocate. If you think something is wrong with your body, you need to make sure that you follow through and push and find a doctor that will listen to you and don't wait. And anybody else that is going through this, I just, I wish I could hug you all because it is such a, it is such a hard journey to have to go through. And I feel it as a mother. I've heard people say breast cancer is the easiest cancer to get because there is so much research, and that is true. Um, but we have a long ways to go that we need more research, especially for triple negative. There is not enough research being done on specific rare breast cancers. Um, there is not enough help for women financially, you know, you go through this, you, this will be a little over a year of my life if I am lucky. And some women cannot work during this and some have to take reduced hours. And a lot of 
households are double income households now, and there's just not enough financial support for families going through this. Um, there's not enough therapy options for spouses or children of the women going through this. Um, my husband has been a wonderful support, but this has taken a toll on him too. And there's just not but kind of support that um, I've been lucky enough to find. I've found two women that I talk to almost daily now, and I love them dearly. And we share things and we, we support each other. And I just, I think things are good, but there's always there always needs to be more awareness with any cancer. But of course, I'm advocating for this because this is what I'm personally going through. And I just hope that one day that even the stage four women can have some hope and we get more research and one day there will be a cure for breast cancer. And that's my story. <laughs> Um, I have a few questions for you, Katie. Why do you sure. want to bring awareness to breast cancer? I think more people need to be brave enough to talk about their stories. <laughs> I was nervous and <laughs> going crazy all day even thinking about doing this because it's very personal. Um, yeah. But... I don't know what the right answer is to it. I just think more people need to talk about it and discuss it. And there just needs to be more awareness to the other parts of breast cancer, the mental health part. Like I said, the financial help for these women going through it and just knowing, even for myself before breast cancer, I didn't even know there were different, so many different types of breast cancer. I did not know that I thought it was just breast cancer, which may sound silly, but if you've never been through it, you don't know. And now I know that there's so many different types and yes, some have a ton of research, but others are really falling behind. Yeah. Um, thank you for that response. My last question is what encourages you to push forward through the challenges? My, my boys at home, my family, my friends, I, I'm very blessed to have the support system I do, but my son being only six years old, I can't imagine missing any single part of his life and I don't plan on it. So he is, he is my reason to push through and get through this. Yeah. Thank you, Katie, for being brave enough to come on <laughs> and tell your story. I'm sure it was an encouragement to a lot of women with breast cancer, just people with breast cancer in general. And all you women out there that have it, keep fighting. That's all I can say. You can do it. Just believe in yourself and you can. With the get our guest speaker, Miss Freddie Harris. Hey, hello, Miss Harris. How are you doing today? Hi, Jaden. How are you? I'm doing good. Now, let me read Mrs. Harris' bio. 
Freddie H. Harris is a native of Henderson, NC. She is the daughter of late Robert and Octavia Ellis Howard. She is a graduate of Shaw University, where she received her BA degree in radio, TV, and film communications. Currently, she is a real estate broker with Codwell Banker Advantage with over 20 years of experience in the industry. A lot of her personal approach to real estate stems from 30 years of working in human services in Vance County and Warren County, North Carolina, Department of Social Services. Freddie is a minister of St. James Missionary Baptist Church. He enjoys shopping, listening to all types of music, playing cards, gardening, and travel. Freddie is a two-time breast cancer survivor. Freddie's vision for the future is to advocate and establish a support circle for breast cancer warriors through the launching of her business, Loving Me, LLC. Thank you to Ms. Harris for accepting this invitation. Ms. Harris, the floor is yours. Now you can give a word from the Lord. Thank you, Jaden. First, <clears throat> I would like to say that I'm a member of St. James. Um, I didn't mean to say that I was a, a minister, but I wanna say morning by morning, new mercies I see. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. Thank you for this opportunity to share my breast cancer journey, a little of it. When I was first diagnosed 20 years ago, I had no way of knowing, <clears throat> excuse me, that what felt like the end of the world at the time would not only make me stronger, but change the course of my life. It all started on May, 2001. I was laying in bed, tossing and turning. Perhaps some of that was unrest from a slight cold. And I was also attempting to quit smoking. At that time, I was <clears throat> uh, smoking uh, about a pack of cigarettes a day. Well, I felt these bumps on my breast. The next day I was scheduled to have my GYN appointment. I did go to the appointment. After the examination, my doctor, Estina, immediately called the surgeon to schedule uh, well, she called to schedule a mammogram. And also she set an appointment for me to see a surgeon. Well, I had the mammogram and I saw the surgeon. He performed a needle biopsy. He called several days later to tell me the results. And he gave me a date to come back um, that he could uh, discuss the findings further with me. But the instructions were, I had to bring someone with me. Well, I thought, I got this. I don't need to bring anybody. Well, the instructions were, you must bring someone with you to the appointment. My mother and I and a friend of mine went to the appointment that day. The doctor shared his findings. And after leaving his office, I think we made it back to the car before my mother and I said, Mary Frances, that was my friend. Mary Frances, what did he say? You see, all we heard was the word cancer. Takeaway, number one, 
make certain you have yearly mammograms. If you have a history in your family of cancer, make certain your doctor is aware. Takeaway number two, quit smoking. Takeaway number three, feel confident that you are with a medical provider who is proactive and hears what you have to say. Takeaway number four, take someone with you to your appointments who can remain calm and take notes. Later after the extensive testing, a part of the treatment was lumpectomy. And lumpectomy is when you have surgery to remove the cancer or abnormal tissues from the breast. Um, they removed the lump. They also removed four lymph nodes that they tested for cancer. One was cancerous. I, the treatment plan was also six rounds of chemo um, every 21 days and radiation five days a week for four weeks. Chemo, as you know, does what it's supposed to do. However, it doesn't know good from bad. It wipes out not only the cancer, but it wipes out your hair as well. However, I was anticipating this. Um, I knew what kind of chemo and I knew the results would be that my hair would come out. So my girlfriends and I um, and my hairdresser, Liz Lenoy and Bridget, we had decided um, I had a plan. So the day that I noticed that my hair was shedding, we were gonna go to the hairdresser to have my hair shaved, my head shaved. Well, I thought few things you get to control during this process. So if I can control that, then why not do it? So that's what I did. I'm bald. I remember one day I wasn't feeling well. This is what I believe. I believe the blessing is in the press. So you just press your way. So this particular day, um, I wasn't feeling well, but I made my way to the truck. My mom had gotten this SUV and I made my way. If I could get to the truck, I knew that it's on now. So, um, made it to the truck and I had on my mind going to the local Sears store. My plan when I got to Sears was to purchase a lawnmower. Now keep in mind, I was moving into the sick zone from chemo and wasn't feeling well. When I got to Sears, I went in the store. Then I realized several things. One, I can barely walk. How am I going to cut grass? Two, and most important was I didn't have any money to purchase a lawnmower. So I leave out of the store. I get in the truck. There's this car beside me. There's a lady that I was familiar with. And she and I spoke to each other. Hello. 
Then the lady says, girl, what happened to your hair? Oh, it just took my breath away. Well, I wasn't going to answer. And this voice said, no, no. Well, I thought back to when I was first diagnosed and I call it silently crying for days is what I did. I cried and I cried and I cried. And it was silent because I didn't want to worry anybody and I was trying to be strong and just didn't want anybody to know that, you know, I was just heartbroken and I was afraid. But, you know, I know that it's okay to cry. Um, now I know that, that it's okay to cry and it's okay to be afraid. So, um, I knew then that, you know, back at that time when I cried out to God, when I could finally stop crying every day, I cried out to God and I said, God, what do you want me to do? Well, this is the no, no. So I turned around and I was obedient. And I said to the lady, I'm taking chemo and my hair came out. Well, the lady sitting in the car looking all pretty with her shoulder length hair said, are you familiar with alopecia? Well, before I could say no, the next thing I knew, the lady reached up, flipped off that beautiful hair and told me she had alopecia and that her husband had been encouraging her to not wear the wigs. And the lady started smiling and she was crying and I was smiling and grinning and crying. And if you want to see a beautiful sight, you should see two bald head women speeding skid marks out of Sears and Robot. Um, happy joy is what we have. And that's what that was. But the takeaway from that is God gets the glory. Don't be ashamed of what you're going through. You have nothing to be ashamed of. You see, although I thought I had taken the situation in control by shaving my head, I hadn't spoken the words. And God knew that I hadn't. And he knew what I needed to do and I needed to say it. Perhaps the lady had only shared with her husband, um, but both of us were freed that day. And to this day, Miss Doris rocks her bald head. She's an inspiration to a lot of people on their cancer journey. The takeaway for that is God can use anybody, anywhere, anytime, even in a parking lot at Sears. Then in January of 2008, I had worked really hard, you know, over several years. Um, trying to clean up my credit and um, from the sickness, you know, 
It's not cheap. My heart's desire was to purchase a home. Well, I got pre-approved for a loan to purchase a house. Didn't have a clue. One day I was sitting in my office, I leaned forward and I felt this thickness in my breast. It was on the same side where I'd had the lumpectomy. And I called uh, my doctor, the surgeon, and scheduled an appointment to go in uh, to see him. Well, on January 24th, 2008, I was diagnosed with breast cancer for the second time. My doctor and the surgeon referred me to Duke. Um, he shared with me that when he did the biopsy, it actually bent the needle. And he was concerned that the cancer was more extensive than the previous time. So on March the 20th, 2008, I had a mastectomy. And a mastectomy is a surgical removal of one or both breasts. And I had one breast removed. Well, the day after the surgery, um, the plan was for me to go home. That's what I was told, the plan. You know, have the surgery, then you get to go home the next day. Well, when the surgery team came in, they shared that they wanted to keep me in the hospital longer. Well, I shared, I can't stay, I gotta go. And they didn't wanna hear what I had to say. Well, I'm looking around for my doctor and he comes in the room. He had been with another patient, he comes in the room. And you know, that old song says, ain't too proud to beg. Well, I begged for him to allow me to go home. And all I could think about was not worrying anyone. You see, I knew, I believe that if they were told I couldn't be released, automatically they were gonna think that the situation was worse than um, what they had been told. I wasn't gonna make it. And, you know, this was my second diagnosis. And, you know, we are real afraid of the C word. So I explained that to the doctor and I shared with him that my mother was 79 years old and along with my brother and my sister-in-law and they had driven all night long. Well, that, that wasn't quite true, but they did come from Massachusetts and they were all staying at the hotel across the street and other family members, I call them foot soldiers and people were praying for me and they were uh, waiting for me to be released. Perhaps uh, my doctor realized the number of people that were waiting for me, or maybe his heart softened to the desperation and fear in my eyes. Or perhaps when he reviewed the chart, he saw that I had made every attempt to be an exemplary patient. I did as much as I could for myself refusing to call the nurse for help when I needed assistance to the bathroom. I drug that morphine pole with me down the hall to the bathroom. And um, I only accepted the morphine when absolutely necessary. You see, in my mind, I'm thinking, 
be a good patient and you get to go home. Now he's telling me I can't go home. All I know and I believe that God touched his heart and he released me. I'm certain that he realized all that I had been through. Love and nurturing was what I needed and it was waiting for me and it could be provided to me in the comfort of my home. Take away, use your voice, advocate for yourself. No matter what the situation is, advocate for yourself. Take away, everyone should have foot soldiers, at least two, you know, foot soldiers. They are the warriors. They are the people that are fighting on your behalf. Um, they fight like warriors. They pray, they're angels, and they carry out important work on your behalf. Take away, remember that you are important. Allow people to help you. And as soon as you can, Allow people, sometimes we push back, but as soon as you can, allow people to love you. Now I shared about the house. Well, takeaway on that is I trusted God and he built the house. And what a joy. Although I would be sick from chemo, my nephew, um, Corey, he would come over and he would take me over to the house. And I felt so much hope and so encouraged and so inspired to just know that um, they were building my house, that God had built that house. So now I still have mammograms yearly. Last year during COVID, I had my mammogram. And for the first time in 19 years, I had to go without the physical presence of someone. I remember my mother used to always ask me, who's going with you? And my response would be, Jesus and me. Well, I went to the appointment by myself and I've learned some things over the years and I've learned to do what I call watching the room. So in the room where you go and you have your mammograms and you're waiting for the results, you know, I knew all the patterns on the, on the wallpaper. I knew that if the voice came from the right, that the nurse was going to give you a paper and you're good. I knew if the voice came from the left, then they had seen something and you needed to go back for uh, more tests. Well, this day, last year, the voice came from the left and they had seen something. And the doctor was concerned and wanted to do a biopsy. But the earliest that they could do the biopsy was three o'clock that afternoon. And I thought to myself, I'm getting out of here. <laughs> I need to go home and I need to be in prayer and I need to call the prayer warriors. And so, and that's what I did. And um, I committed to being back the next morning at 
and Jesus, I went with Jesus all the way. And this particular, the next day, I saw two different doctors. Well, when the doctor came in and she introduced herself, she introduced herself and she said her name was Dr. I'll call her Maria Peacock. Well, when she said Peacock, I started to laugh. You know, I believe God has so much humor. And I laughed and I informed her that I have a friend, a gospel comedian, and her name, her stage name is Sandra, but her stage name is uh, Miss Peacock. And I knew at that time all was well and all was well, and it was a cyst. And um, they did the aspiration and all was fine. And I am so grateful and I'm thankful that my story is not a the end, nor is your story, nor is your story, Katie, nor is your story, Katie, a the end. Take away. Allow yourself to feel everything you're feeling. You may feel scared. You may feel angry. You may feel overwhelmed. Um, you may feel like you want to cry. It's totally normal. Know that you're not alone, even if you feel like you are. Try to ask someone for help. Talk to your doctor, talk to social workers, talk to someone that you can, you feel comfortable in confiding in. Treat yourself. You know, you can do bubble baths, you can do many and petties, um, but you do those at the appropriate time because you know you can't do those right away. Or you can find a book or a magazine that's your favorite, or you can be daring and you can buy a pink lipstick, or you can buy a fuchsia bra, or you can get a purple bra, or you can get a polka dot bra that's all made especially to fit you. And take away laughter. B.B. Wannan says, laughter is just like a medicine. And it is. It's amazing. It's refreshing when you hear yourself laugh again. Self-love is important. Self-love isn't selfish. It's recognizing and enjoying who you are. I guarantee you, you'll be stronger. You'll be wiser and ready to spread your wings and soar like a beautiful butterfly to new heights. In closing, I say, hashtag new mercies I see. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to this Breast Cancer Awareness episode. I hope you enjoyed yourself. Please tune in every two weeks for a new episode. Please share this podcast. Follow my Instagram, which is I am Jaden Watkins. Facebook, Jaden Watkins. Go to my website, which is jadenwatkins.com and sign up for the newsletter to get alerts and notifications for upcoming events. Thank you so much for the support. This is Jaden Watkins saying I will and never stop making this world more preferable. God bless.